Welcome to our online audience. So glad you're joining us from all over the, the country, all over the world even. Uh, I know there are people watching from the UK. I know we have people that watch from Greece. Uh, I know that we have people in Pledenburg Bay. We have people in Hillbrow this morning. And we have people all over the country. So let's just welcome our online audience. However, if you're in this area within 15 kilometers, you should not be online. You should be in the house. So come and visit us. We'd love to see you again. And I just want to welcome everyone to our first service this morning. Thank you for being here today. And if you're visiting for the very first time, I want to ask you to just raise your hand because we want to just honor you and give you a warm VIP welcome. God bless you. God bless Anybody else? Come on. You can do better than that. God bless you. God bless you. Good to have you in the house this morning. We love having visitors, and we want to invite you this morning to go along to our information bar, pick up one of our welcome brochures, and take a moment just to complete the section provided there. Let us know if we could either email or phone you. We don't want to harass you, but we'd love to find out how you enjoyed the service and answer any questions you might have about our church. You can then tear it off, hand it in at the info bar. The other section's for you to keep, so you always remember your first visit to our church. If you live on the South Coast, we'd love you to consider prayerfully making this your home church, your local church. Come and partner with us as we establish the kingdom of God on the South Coast and beyond through preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to be at your service, amen, and to be at his service regularly. So God bless you. You can go to our website, raymasouthcoast.com, and you can find out everything about our church, who we are, how the church started, what our mission is, what programs and things we are busy with, and we'd love to go on a journey with you. Look at the person next to you. Say, man, you really do look good this morning. Even if they don't, just tell them by faith. Say, no, you look great. Awesome. All right, now don't forget, we've got a couple of things happening in the church. Uh, on the first weekend of November, that's the third and the fourth, we'll be having our second encounter weekend. It's a Friday night through the Saturday. And I want you to know, uh, for you as a believer, it is a life-changing moment where you can encounter Jesus. You can refresh yourself. You can get your fire stirred up. If you're a new believer, you can get established in the Word. You can find tools that will help you to overcome the things in life that try and drag you down. And I promise you, you will leave changed. You will leave inspired. So look at the person next to you. Say, I'll go with you if you go. I'm so passionate about it. I actually want to come down there and just point to a few of you and say, actually, you should be there. But I'm not going to do that because I'm a good pastor and I'm going to just behave myself this morning. Uh, just, Just look at the person next to you so I don't have to do Just say, I will see you there. All right, then don't forget this Wednesday at 9 a.m. in the coffee bar, the ladies will be gathering with Pastor Mandy and the team. Come along. It's going to be incredible. And uh, that is the 18th of October, right? Are we in October? Phenomenal. Okay, 9 o'clock to 10.30. All you need to do is bring a plate of eats, bring your Bible, bring a friend. We'll take care of the rest. And you're sure to have a great time. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Come on, let's open our Bibles. And uh, if you have a Bible or your smartphone, don't forget you can follow us on Version, And we have a live event there where you can follow and take your own notes. We're in a series this month. Our theme is Staying the Course. But this morning I want to talk to you about having a heart for God. Having a heart for God. And let's look at our text scripture. It's 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. It says, uh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course I have kept the faith. 
There are a couple of dimensions to this verse that you need to meditate on and we need to think about. Firstly, notice that Paul says this. He says, I fought a good fight. So we understand this morning that serving God is a fight. Amen. Spiritual warfare is real. And we need to understand that just because you're born again doesn't automatically mean all the blessings of God are just going to fall on you like ripe tomatoes. No, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. Paul's clear about that. Number two, I want you to know, he says, I have finished my course. Say my. My. So Paul was clear that there are different courses for everybody. You've got to find your course and you've got to fight the good fight and you've got to run your race. Say run my race. I can't run your race for you and you can't run my race. And I want you to know this morning, my race is different to your race. I'm in lane one. I'm God's favorite. Thank you. Amen. And so maybe you're in lane eight, but that doesn't mean you can't win. You've got to catch up. Amen. All right, so maybe you think you're in lane one, and you should, because you're also God's favorite. Amen. But we can't all be in lane one, I'm just saying. Maybe we're running a sprint marathon where the lanes are all the same, but you've got to run your race. And then finally he says, how do I fight the good fight? How do I stay the course and run my race? He says this, I have kept the faith. So we've got to understand that the race and the fight is in context to our faith. Our faith, not just the thing we use to believe God, that that spiritual force that attracts the blessing and the favor of God into our lives, but the faith that is the overall arcing, everything about serving God. We're going to look at some of those things this morning as we talk about having a heart for God. Let's turn to uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 22 and 23. Very incredible verses of Scripture. Yeah, it says, And when he had removed him, say removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave the testimony and said, I have found, say found, David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Look at verse 23. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus. Very important to understand. Who is the him? That he removed. Right? We know historically that is King Saul. But I want you to know this morning, Saul is a picture of the flesh. Of man's reasoning. Because Saul was put in power because the the nation of Israel refused to have God as their Lord. They wanted a king like all the other nations. So God gave them what they wanted, although it wasn't his will. So Saul is a picture of the flesh. When we try and live our lives in our own ability, with our own strength, with our own resources. David, on the other hand, is a picture of the spiritual man, walking and living in the spirit. And that's why the the word testifies that David was a man after God's heart, who did the will of God. And notice, who was Jesus burst through? He was burst through the spirit man. Remember that this morning, because having a heart for God is very important. You cannot birth God's will through your flesh. Amen? You need to be born again, 
washed by the blood, filled with the Spirit, and now you're empowered to live the spiritual life, and it's through your spirit, man, that Jesus' purpose is birthed in your life. That's how you know what course to run. Look at the person next to you, say you look even better after five minutes of preaching. Wow. So we need to understand this morning, to have a heart for God, He needs to be the one raising us up. Notice it says that when he had removed Saul, he what? He raised up David. So there's a reality and we feed it back to the last two weeks where we spoke about this reality. When you are humble before God, he will lift you up. He will raise you up. When you develop trust for God and you walk in patience, it positions you to be elevated, to be raised up to where God needs you to be. I want you to know you don't want God... Sorry, you don't want to raise yourself up to a place God hasn't put you. Because if you raise yourself up, you're going to have to keep yourself there. But if you let God raise you up because of what is placed in your heart, there's a rest, there's a provision, and there's a power that's there. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So this is what we've got to learn. We've got to learn to hold tightly and hold loosely at the same time. I know that sounds very difficult to do, but it's the reality. What do I hold tightly to? What do I let go of? Well, have a look at Isaiah 45 verse 9. The prophet Isaiah was was receiving instruction from God for the nation of Israel. He was a major prophet in the Old Testament. And here in in the ESV it says it like this, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who is forming it, what are you making? Do you know your work has no handles? In other words, he's saying, listen, the clay can't tell the potter what pot he's going to make. What can the clay do? Let the potter mold him. Amen. So look at the person next to you. Say, who's molding you this morning? Because I want you to know, even as a born-again believer, even as a pastor in ministry, I spent a lot of years trying to make myself who I wanted to be and trying to put God's label on it. And God does not put his stamp of approval on your purpose, your plan, and your flesh. Bump the person next to you say, it's time to raise it up to the next level. Amen. It was so funny for me, over this past week we were at the South African Council of Churches and the, and the Faith Alliance of, of South Africa met in uh, Boxburg this week. Pastor Manny and I were there representing uh, the Christian community, representing the Raymond family of churches. And I mean, there were some incredible, incredible people in our nation. We had the, the Vice President of Kenya uh, zoom in live and speak to us. We had, I mean, really some top people. President Thabo Mbeki was there. I mean, really some top-notch people. And I watched some of my own colleagues trying to uh, push their way into being in the right place at the right time and squeezing themselves into the lunch table and then getting asked to move because they sat at the wrong chair. That was past, uh, President Tabo's chair. I wasn't there, I found it out afterwards from Pastor Bird and all this jostling that goes from position when you've got people of authority thinking, man, if I just get in the right place. Here's the thing, when you humble yourself, God elevates you. I was just there to represent. I wasn't on the program. I didn't plan anything. Tuesday morning, I get a phone call. Will you open in prayer this morning? I'm like, where did you even get my number? 
Listen, when you allow God to do what He does, He'll raise you up. He'll put you where you need to be. He'll make sure you do what, what you need to do. And guess what? You don't even have to put the effort in. All you put the effort in is spend time with God. Spend time with Jesus. Now I'm saying that not, not, not to, so you think I'm a great pastor or you think I'm something. What I'm saying is I was quite happy just to sit where I was sitting and do what I'd come there to do. But God had a different plan. And so out of that, guess what? You meet a certain person, you get a certain number. This person says, oh, I'd really like to talk to you. And God unlocks some things which you never even went there thinking God could do. But he does it anyway because when you humble yourself and you have a heart for God, he can place you and position you where you need to be. Bump the person next to you say, that must be for you this morning. Now ask the person on the other side, say, are you sitting in the right chair this morning? <laughs> Amen. I know some of you are very protective over your chairs. I'm just saying, maybe sometimes just give it up and you never know what could happen. I remember years ago there was this pastor, they were, they were building their church and so they came up with this incredible idea. They said, we're going to let the congregation buy a chair. You know, and we raise money and then we can fill the auditorium with the chairs. So they started this program. And they raised money and they put the chairs in. And then one day this man made an appointment with the pastor. He said, Pastor, I'm very angry. He said, what? He said, I paid for that chair and someone else was sitting in it. (laughs) What are you going to do about it? He said, come with me. And he walked to the auditorium. He took the chair. He said, yeah, yeah, sir. Here's your chair. You can leave. (laughs) And the guy was like, no, 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 I didn't mean it. He says, exactly. How do we know which chair you paid for anyway? Bum the person next to you. Say, it's not your chair. It's our chair. Okay, we got so way off the... Just take those three minutes off my time, please. You people are distracting me this morning. All right, so the clay can't tell the potter who it's going to be. All right? So you've got you've to realize this morning, we do believe in praying bold prayers. How many of you know, we don't serve a small God. Amen. We don't serve a God who gets offended when we ask him for big things. No, no. We believe in praying for big things, having big dreams, believing God for big things to happen in our lives and in our church. So when it comes to the dreams God's putting in your heart, you've got to hold tightly. Can you say amen? You've got to hold on to those dreams. You've got to fight for those dreams because I want you to know they won't happen if you don't fight for them in faith, trusting God. But here's the thing. Here's what you've got to hold lightly to, how God does it. Because you know what happens sometimes? We believe in God for something and then we paint a picture of how he's got to do it. And then when he doesn't do it the way we want it, we get offended. (laughs) So we pray, God, use me. And then when God uses us, we get up and say, I feel so used. (laughs) You prayed the prayer, sir. Amen. So we've got to hold tightly to the dreams God's placing in our hearts. But we've got to hold loosely to how he makes it happen. Because he's God. Amen. And he knows there are a lot of dreams that are not what they look like when I had them. (laughs) Amen. But here's the good news. They're even better because I couldn't have dreamt up the way God did it. And you know what happens? Then you walk away, you're like, firstly, that had to be God because I could never have orchestrated it. Number two, it can't be because I'm something because I'm nothing because I could never made it anyway. So guess what? You walk with gratefulness. God gets the glory and you get the job done. Look at the person next to you. Say, stay the course. 
And you know what I love about God? It's never too late to get back on, the, on track, to get up. Pastor Ben shared it so beautifully yesterday. If you fall down, just get up, keep running your race. Because I want you to know God can, when you have fallen out of the race, he can realign things and put you back in the race and make you win your race. Amen? Are you glad you came to church this morning? I'm glad. I pushed myself happy this morning already. Hallelujah. So here's the thing. Don't set your ways and your mind on how God's going to do it because you'll end up being discouraged, all right? You'll end up taking on the wrong thoughts and then you'll end up saying, well, this thing doesn't work. No, no, have faith in God. Trust that God is working his plan out. Can you say amen? And when you trust God, you'll start to see the shift and you'll start to see God working things out. We're trusting God right now. I made some certain phone calls and things that was my responsibility to do. Someone promised to do something that they're supposed to do but haven't done, but now they said they're going to do it. And now I'm waiting two weeks and they haven't done it yet. So on Thursday, I'm like, okay, I'm going to phone. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell this. I'm just going to let this person have it. And I'm in my right to do it because they said, and they're not keeping their word. And you know, you have this whole conversation in your mind. Like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be bold and I'm just going to tell it. And then the Lord says, no, I don't want you to phone them. I'm like, Lord. And then he knows that you're a little bit upset about this, so he gives you a scripture. Mark 8.35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake... Look at that. I point my finger and it comes up. Supernatural. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. So running your race and staying your course is not about you getting your own way and you pursuing your own thing and you wanting your own life. It's about losing your life for the sake of the gospel. Making sure God's message, God's kingdom and God's purpose is lived out of you. So let's have the right heart today. Let's have a heart that pursues the things of God and so then we'll be able to finish strong and win the prize. Listen this morning, church. Losers do not get medals. If you want to get your medal, if you want to win your prize, you've got to run your race. Now, here's the beautiful thing about the kingdom, so that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You cannot get beaten by someone else in the kingdom because you're not running against them. (laughs) You're running against yourself to win your race and to get your prize. Can you say amen? So you never have to fear. I don't have to fear like, oh, what, what, oh, what, if, what if Pastor Bert gets made chairman? What? I was never destined for that. So why am I coveting and envy and getting jealous over someone who God promotes when they're just stepping into what God's called them to do, knowing that I'm walking where God wants me, and if he wants me to do something, he'll elevate, he'll, he'll do it. Wow, what an awesome way to live. I go to bed every night satisfied and filled with the life and the joy and the fulfillment of God when you're living your life and you're losing your life so that the gospel can go forward. Can you say amen? Bump the person next to you say it's the best way to live. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it brings it out so beautifully. 
We know these verses because they're verses we've studied before. But let us remind ourselves what uh, 1 Corinthians 9 says in verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Underline that. Run in such a way that you obtain it. Say, I'm going to obtain it. All right. Now he goes on, he clarifies it so beautifully. He says, everyone who competes for the prize is tempered or disciplined in all things. Now they run to obtain a perishable crown, but we are running to obtain an imperishable crown. In other words, it comes back to what we've been saying the last two weeks. If you're going to serve God with all your heart, if you're going to have a heart for God, you've got to become eternity-minded. And realize this morning, this world is not all what this place is about. Amen? You and I are going to spend eternity. You know what eternity means? Forever and ever 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 Amen? And so what you're building here translates into who you become there, and that's where we're living for. That's what our aim is. That's where we want to run our race. Can you say amen? It's a spiritual race, and that's why Paul was so clear. I fought the good fight. I stayed the course. I kept the faith. He says we run for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, not with uncertainty. I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself might become disqualified. So we've got to guard our lives and realize that our lives are not just made up of Sundays, they're made up of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We come on Sundays to get inspired, to get empowered, to celebrate, to worship, to get ignited with the fire of God. And then we go out and we live our lives. And so even as ministers, we've got to guard our hearts, guard our lives. Don't let your flesh control who you are. Don't let your mind make decisions for you. Let, let your life come out of your spirit. Let your spirit control who you are because then you're empowering yourself. And that means having a heart for God then empowers and helps me to start living a disciplined life. Because whatever I lay down here for the sake of the gospel, notice that scripture Mark, uh, was it Mark 8, 35, 9, 35, it says when I lay down something in the natural for the sake of the kingdom, it builds my life and it strengthens my walk with God. Amen. So you never lay something down in the natural and not receive the benefit in the spiritual. It might not be at once. It might not be the same time. But how you know, because seeds you sow don't pop up in the same day and you get a harvest. They've got to grow. So some of us get to a place in our lives, we're serving God for three years, we're not seeing a harvest, we're not seeing the fruitfulness, and we get discouraged. No, 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 no. Listen, you've been tilling the hard ground you plowed in your life for the last 30 years. And just because you haven't seen the harvest doesn't mean there's not a beautiful tree growing. Just don't pull it out the ground yet. Keep watering it. Keep nurturing it. Keep developing it. Keep living in the spirit. And guess what happens? It'll start to flourish and grow and produce fruit. Amen? Because what you sow into your heart will start to come out of your life. As a matter of fact, being disciplined is such a powerful word because it comes from the word disciple. One of the meanings of the word disciple is disciplined one. 
So if we're going to be the disciples of Christ, if we're going to be Christ followers, if we're going to follow him with all our hearts, what does it mean? I've got to develop an element of discipline, which is one of the fruit of the Spirit in my life, so that it keeps me on my track, keeps me running my race. Are you glad you came to church this morning? All right, so we could say it like this. Having a heart for God means that I learn to live from my spirit by faith. Have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith. Uh, Verse 7, sorry. One more. Think, oh. Okay. Is verse 7 not there? Oh, dash. Okay. Don't worry, we did this in a rush on Friday. Verse 7 says this. Take my word for it. You can go look at it at home. It says, for we walk by faith and not by faith sight. So if I'm not walking by my sight and I'm walking by faith, it tells me that faith is a spiritual thing. I can't see it, I can't feel it, but I need to understand that I've got to live by it, I've got to walk by faith and not by what I see. And this is so dynamic because faith means I don't let my intellect And I don't allow my emotions to control the trajectory of my life or control where I'm going in my life or I do not let it make my decisions. You see, using your mind's good. You've got to use your mind. God gave it to you. You've got, to, you've got emotions because God wanted you to have emotions, but they can't be the motor. They can't be the engine room that drives your life because you know what will happen. You'll be up one day, down the next day, you'll make this decision, then you think it's wrong and you'll change it to make that decision and you'll be like what we call the yo-yo Christian. You're up and then you're down. And that's not a way to live and build consistency. So now we look at verse 5, and we we see the verses before and after. In verse 5, he says this, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. What is God preparing us for? He's preparing us to run our race, to stay the course, to fight the good fight of faith, and to stay in faith and to hold on to our faith. He says, he's the one that prepared us. Where did he prepare it? Who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Say guarantee. So we are always confident. Why are we always confident? Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. So he's building this thing. He's saying this. We understand that if we're not with the Lord, it means we're absent from him because we're in our body. And when we're living in our body, while you're in your body, you're going to have to walk by faith and not by what you see. And you and I are not going to finish our race if we don't learn to do that. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on ourselves, not on our ability, not on our circumstances. He goes on after verse 17, verse 8, he says this, We are confident, yes, we are well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So listen to this this morning. He's saying, as a believer, you never lose. Isn't that good news? You never lose. You cannot lose if you're a Christian this morning because when you die and you cease to exist here on earth, guess what? It means you're existing there in eternity and now you actually get to live your real life. (laughs) And so now because you, you understand this, it gives you a confidence and it says this, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. How do I stay my course? I live my life. Every day I get up and I say, today I'm going to please God. 
Today I'm going to live for Jesus. Today I'm going to be that arrow. I might not make it. Listen, go look at the life of David. He by far was not the model Christian. He made lots of mistakes. He did, he'd made a lot of bad decisions. But you know, his heart for God propelled him to always get up, adjust, repent, make confession, and move forward with God. And that's what made him the person that God could birth Jesus for. God is not looking for, for, for perfection from us. None of us are going to be perfect until Jesus comes back. Can you say amen? But until then, every day we get up and we say we're going to aim at pleasing God today. Amen. We're going to aim at being a blessing to other people. Now, when you pray that prayer, it's a dangerous prayer. Amen. If you're going to run your race and you say, God, every day I'm going to aim at pleasing you. I'm going to aim at being a blessing to others. You know what? God puts things in your life that you didn't plan for. Like someone phones you on that day and says, can you do this for me? And you like, no, I don't want to do that. This church has gone very quiet. Are you all here? Okay. Look at the person next to you. Say, it's okay. He's only got 40 minutes to go and we've got to be out of here. And then you think, well, not only do I not want to do it, I actually can't do it because it's not convenient. And, I, and then God gives you your scripture, Mark 8.35. He who lives to gain his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for the kingdom's sake will gain it. And then you get challenged. You say, okay, Lord, I'm going to help this person. I had to help someone this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so funny. And I was talking to them on the phone and I was getting a bit irritated and I was like, you didn't tell me you're going to phone me. He says, well, I didn't know I was going to be in this situation. I'm like, doesn't matter. <laughs> and I'm trying to be nice, but it's just my flesh is getting all over me. Anyway, I kind of pulled myself back and I got through it and we helped the person. And after his man, he says, why were you so nasty with that person? I'm like, who are you to tell me? <laughs> And I almost started the whole cycle again. Hey. You know, Jesus gave a parable about that. The one guy said, yes, master, I'll go do it. And he didn't. Remember that parable? And then there was the one guy who said, no, I'm not going to do it. But he got convicted afterwards and he went and did it. And Jesus said to his disciples, who do you think did the will of God? That's the person who said, don't judge the pastor. <laughs> no, we make it our aim to be pleasing to our Father, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror. Listen to this. Knowing therefore the terror. We'll just put that scripture over there. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I trust we are also well known in your consciences. And then I think there's one more verse. Is that right? Is that it? All right, so in other words, it's saying, because we understand who God is, we know he loves us, but we also know that he's an awesome, fearful, mighty God. We live in a way so that we don't neglect to tell others about the goodness of God. But the person next to you say, you are a soul winner. You're not just a winner, you're a soul winner. Now listen to this, just to start bringing it all together. The world sees your heart or the world sees our heart. You know, when the, when, when the world speaks about the heart, they're not talking about your spirit. They're talking about your emotions. They're talking about, you know, that part of you where the will and the emotions are, and they say, you know, don't think with your heart, think with your mind. 
They've got it all wrong because, you see, you can't think with your emotions because your emotions are part of your soul. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Yes, they're part of your inner being, but they're not the center of your being. They're not the motor of your being. They're not the driver of your being. That is your spirit. And your spirit, man, is where you get saved. That's where Jesus lives. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. And you've got to let your spirit man get strong so that you can let your spirit man govern your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. They've got to follow, not lead. And the reason we get into trouble, including myself, is we let our soul lead and not our spirit. And so our spirit says, do this, but our mind reasons and says, no, that doesn't feel good. No, I don't know. And so we let it pull us in this direction. Remember, we learned that first week. And lean not to your own understanding. Which way are you leaning? Just look at the person and say, which way are you leaning? Just, just lean to them. Say, which way are you leaning? Okay, now tell them, stop it. Stop leaning and trust God. Amen? Because when you trust God, he'll direct your path. You see, David had a heart for God, and because he had a heart for God, God blessed him. And you know why God blessed him? Because he looked beyond God's provision to God's heart. His desire was to know God, not just get his provision. And if we're going to be strong Christians who run our race, we've got to move beyond just getting things from God and running because we want to be in his presence. We want to live for him. That was the secret to David's success. David had a place he could go no matter what was going on in his life. No matter what was going on around him. He had a place where he could go where he knew he could touch the heart of his father. All right, And we know that place. It's called the secret place. Look at the person next to you. Say it's the secret place. And, and actually, that's our theme for this year. And that's why in Psalm 91, verses 1 to 3, in the Passion Translation, I love what it says. It says, when you abide, when you live under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of the Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold that shelters me. The only God for me, my great confidence, he will rescue me from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and from the deadly curse. That means when, when I hide in that secret place and my heart is to spend time with God, he takes care of a whole lot of things that I didn't even know exist. He keeps me out of the secret traps of the enemy because the hidden traps, because I didn't even realize they're there, but he somehow protects me and moves my way away from that. Amen. He even, it says here, I love it in the Passion Translation, it says he will even protect me from false accusations and from the curse. Why? Because I spend time in his presence. Amen. I have the heart that beats and chases after God. When we spend time with him, we can learn to walk in the spirit and his presence will go before us. So let's keep this in mind. Renewing your mind is the key. Romans 12, it speaks about that. We won't go there today. Is the key that trains your soul, which is your mind and your will and emotions, to follow your spirit. Eating the word, feeding on the word, developing the word in your life and renewing your mind empowers you to make sure your spirit is guiding your life and not your soul. And that's how you run a good race. That's how you stay the course. That's how you protect and defend the faith. It's depending on the anointing rather than on our ability. 
Amen? And when we depend on the anointing, you know what happens? God is able to raise us up. God is able to bless us. And through us, he's able to bless the kingdom. Bless the people. Bless those things where you are touching and moving. So let's be the disciples like David that have a heart for God. They chase after God. You know what I mean? Let's be people that seek his face. You know what David said in Psalm 105? Turn there with me quickly. In Psalm 105 verse 4 in the Amplified, it says, Seek and inquire for the Lord. Crave him and his strength, his might and inflexibility to temptation. Seek and require his face and his presence forever. Remember the marvelous deeds that he has done, the miracles and wonders and the judgment and the sentences he's pronounced on his enemies. You offspring of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He's speaking about you and I. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. I love this. Listen to this. He is mindful of his covenant and it's imprinted on his heart. Do you know what that tells me? You're imprinted on his heart because you're in covenant with him. He remembers you. He remembers who you are. And he remembers that you're his child. And I'll tell you what, when he made a promise to Abraham, he made a promise to you and I. That's why I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says this, I want to encourage you to pray, seek, and ask God to reveal your unique journey for your life to you. Because when you start to follow that wholeheartedly, I guarantee you great things will happen in your life. Can you say amen? And so let's be that people that, that seek him and go after him. You see, you'll struggle to stay the course and become a great leader if you're not following someone who's already running the race. Amen? You and I need to learn to follow. We need to learn to look to those who are already serving God, already living for God, already have a testimony in their lives. Because you see, you can't be a father until you've first been a son. That's what Paul said. He said, where are the fathers? He said, you know, you have thousands of instructors. <laughs> How do you know, in South Africa, we love telling people what to do. Let's, can we be honest with each other? We love telling people what to do, and we hate being told what to do. And so Paul addresses that. He says, listen, if you're going to let your flesh control your life, if you're going to let your soul control your life, you'll always be the one trying to tell others what to do and getting upset when others tell you what you want to do. But here's what he says. I'm looking for fathers. I'm looking for those who will stand on their feet and they'll be mature and they serve. And I want to encourage you today as your pastor. I want to say to you, listen, guys, we are ramping it up. We are taking our lives, our church, our vision, our mission to the next level. I don't want to be people that keep coming, you know, and if Pastor Larry's not preaching, then I don't want to be in church. So what you're saying is whoever's there isn't anointed. Oh, it's got very quiet here today. Oh, they didn't sing my song today. Oh, why, why isn't ben, Pastor Ben up singing? I like Pastor Ben's voice. That is so childish. I was speaking to one brother this week, and I know he's, he's a friend, so he won't mind me sharing this in the context of what I'm sharing. He says he got you out of church last week, and when he saw it was DVDs, he was so disappointed. It's like, I'm going to go home, because the band's not up. That is so childish. So what you're saying is God can't use a different instrument to worship because when was it ever about the worship team and who's singing and what song? 
I know I'm just getting on, on your case a little bit, but the reality is, let's grow up, church. Let's come here because Jesus is here. The Spirit of God is here, and He can use anything. If He can use a donkey, look at the person next to you say, buy a donkey. Yeah, and you thought there was no Afrikaans in the Bible? If He can use a donkey, how many of you, He can use anything. Because it's not about the instrument, it's about the spirit that they carry. And you see, if Pastor, and I'm, no one said you didn't preach well, but your, your message was amazing. I'm just using the example because it's fresh. <sighs> if Pastor Ben and Leonette are submitted to the vision of the church and to us, then when they step up, they step in the same authority, the same anointing, the same power that anybody else who steps here. Amen. And just for your information, it was the worship team that helped choose the songs that we sang last week through DVD. Wasn't that a great choice? And guess what? They also filled with the Spirit of God and they didn't say, oh, let, uh, oh yeah, let's go with that song. No, we pray about things. We seek God. We don't just do whatever we want to randomly. Why? Because our aim is to please God. Now, what am I saying in that? I'm saying, guys, it's time for us to grow to the next level because God wants to do more through us. And he wants to use more of us to do it. And he can't do that if you don't step up to the plate. If you don't become a soul winner. If you don't step into your gifting and your calling. Man, I long for the day when I can come to church and sit where Mandy's sitting and some 15-year-old gets up with the fire of God and preaches a message that absolutely blows the roof off because God's anointing's on them because we had the courage to let the young people rise up and be who God called them to be. Just look at the person next, next to you say, get ready. Do you realize, do you realize, 75% of our country is under the age of 28. So guess who we need to be targeting? Can you say amen? Guess who we need to be reaching? Can you say amen? I love what some of the ministers are saying. They are not our next generation. They are the generation. So let's start taking the blinkers off and saying, God, Mark 8.35, I'm not going to build my life for what I can get and what I want and how I want it to be and what I'm used to. Stretch me beyond that. Break me for what breaks you. Mold me and shape me so that I can lay down my old flame and carry your new fire. Can you say amen? Did you get something this morning? I'm going to close with this and then we'll pick it up next week. It's just a scripture that the Lord put on my heart this morning and it's here in Ezekiel 36 and then we'll close because um, our time is up. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. Listen to this. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways and to keep my judgments and to do them. Can I encourage you this morning? If you're born again, you have the heart of God. Amen. You have a heart that beats for Jesus because you're born again. You're washed in the blood. When you got saved, God recreated and regenerated your spirit and it's alive to God. And here's what we've got to do, church. Let's be a people that'll rise up and keep running our race. Let's be a people as a church that say we're going to stay the course. We're going to keep 
the faith. Can you say amen? And let's aim our lives this week at pleasing the Father, being a blessing to others, and making a difference in our world, wherever it is we live and act and operate. Can you say amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Father, thank you that you love us. You're passionate about us. You care about us in every way. And so here today, Lord, as we're just closing this service, even those online, Lord, we'd love the opportunity to lead others to salvation. Maybe you're sitting here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never personally entered into a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 says, if you'll confess Jesus, and if you'll believe in your heart that He is the Son of God, you will be saved. So if that's you this morning, you've never made that decision, even if you're watching online, this is your opportunity. And if you're here in the auditorium on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand and I'll know I need to pray for you. If you're watching online, you can wait for that moment and we're going to lead you in a powerful prayer from the book of Romans. One, two, three. Raise your hand this morning if you want to give Jesus into your heart. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. Is there someone else who would say yes today? There's two there. God bless you. Thank you so much. If I could ask you right there in your place, if you'll just stand to your feet right where you are, just quietly. No one's looking. No one's following you. This is just between you and God. Will you just stand to your feet? I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Just quietly where you are. Just stand up to your feet. And just go to the back of the auditorium there. Our pastor's there. They're going to pray with you. They're going to stand with you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. I'm going to invite the whole church to pray this out with me. Say, Father God, today I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. And I thank you today for saving my life. If you're online, send us an email. If you prayed that prayer or WhatsApp, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for your decision. We are so proud of you. Let's give the Lord a good praise offering for those salvations this morning. What an awesome God we serve.